Dan is optimistic. He said, when I finish. Uh, There's a saying for those of us who preach, a sermon is never done. It's just finally abandoned. Um, So when the clock comes and says it's time. Well, as... Well, first of all, just let me say um, it's good for Joy and I to be back uh, for the second time. Uh, We enjoy that. I I don't know if I mentioned this before. For those of you old-timers here that may remember, uh, Phil Tuttle and I are very good friends. Phil and his wife, uh, um, Ellen and Joy and I are very good friends. I went to uh, college, uh, Wheaton College, with his older brother, Steve, and I knew Phil when he was just... uh, high schooler, and uh, he hasn't changed um, in behavior at least since that time, um, but uh, I'm sure he would send his regards. I need to communicate with him and let him know that I've, um, that I've been here. Also, as you know, Pastor Trey um, is doing some doctoral ministry work at Dallas Theological Seminary. I think that's one of the reasons for his sabbatical, so he could do all of the preparatory reading that was required for that. And uh, the papers that are are required for that, he was uh, he was supposed to be at Dallas three weeks ago, and I have it on good word from the professor that he actually was there at Dallas um, doing the work. Um, the professor happens to be the executive director of Rural Home Missionary Association, uh, where I'm uh, involved with in, in Morton. Um, and so uh, Ron Clausen, the executive director, is the adjunct professor there, and went to teach. And I asked him how Trey did. And uh, he gave me an evaluation, and uh, so I'm thinking that if Trey is listening to this on CD sometime, I'm just not going to tell you what Ron said, and I'm going to let Trey uh, be in suspense. By the way, Ron will be here on August 11th, so if you want to talk to him and get first-hand knowledge of how Trey did, um, I'm sure that he'll be happy to uh, tell you all about that. It would be good if you would open your Bibles or whatever scriptural platform you use these days to Isaiah chapter 40, as uh, that's where we're going to be here uh, for the duration of our time uh, this morning. As uh, I am beginning, I do have a, an ending, so there, there will be a finish one way or the other. And Lord willing, uh, we will all end at the same time together. Isaiah chapter 40 As you're turning there, let me just uh, make note of something. Uh, If you're familiar at all with Handel's uh, great oratorio, Messiah, um, the first 11 verses of Isaiah 40 contain a a lot of the inspiration for a a number of the songs that you hear in Messiah. For instance, verse 1, Comfort ye my people. Is, is one of those songs in Messiah. Verse 4, every valley shall be exalted. Um, I'm tempted to break out and sing those because when I say those titles, they just uh, come to mind. Uh, verse 5, and the glory, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Um, verse 9, O thou tellest good tidings to Zion. At verse 11, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. Probably one of my favorite um, pieces from Messiah. So for the first 11 verses are rich um, with uh, inspiration for, for Handel. But this morning I'm going to be reading from verses 25 to 31 of Isaiah chapter 40. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these 
He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Lord, pray this morning again that... uh, We will be able to open our minds to understand your word, open our hearts to receive your word, open our lives to do your word as we have your word open before us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me ask you this morning if uh, you have ever felt as if you were running out of strength for the journey. The long haul is too long and the load is too heavy to haul. Uh, if you're not feeling that way now, you probably have felt that way at some time in your life. The, the, the haul is too long and the load is too heavy. You're running out of strength for the journey. There are times when we face a new day and we wake up in the morning already exhausted or perhaps uh, discouraged before the day ever starts and instead of strength and hope, we, we face the day with distress. We're weak and faint before we ever begin. Well, I, Isaiah 40, in Isaiah 40, that the prophet Isaiah was giving Israel a message that they would need later when they were in exile and to uh, be encouraged to leave Babylon for the long journey home. And so he was encouraging them with this message for a, a coming day when they would need it desperately. When you're running out of strength for the journey and you don't have enough strength maybe to even begin the journey, uh, let's just consider a few pieces of advice that that Isaiah gave to uh, his people and that I think are pertinent for us today if we are in the same situation, though we're not in exile and though we're not going to be making a long journey to go home. Uh, Dan, I have to talk to you about this long journey you're making because... um, I'm a frustrated Midwest guy that has always been trying to move west, and I keep getting moved back to the Midwest, And but I like to spend time out there. But that's not the kind of long journey that he's going to need encouragement for here like the children of Israel did. One piece of advice is that he gives them, found in verse 25, 26, Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens who created all these stars, he who brings out the starry host one by one because of his great uh, and calls them each by name because of his great power and mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. The first piece of advice he gives when you're facing a long journey, when the the the, uh, the hall is too heavy, he says, "Look up, lift your eyes, and look up. Realize who God is. To whom he says, will you compare me? Who is my equal?" 
God asks them to look up at the stars and, and uh, to, to realize that by his power, he created them, every single one of them. And I won't go into detail. You've probably heard it before how vast uh, the universe is and, and how what we see is only a, a speck of what exists um, through God's creation in the universe. And that the stars that we see are are are. are infinite as far as we're concerned, and they're only a small portion of, of uh, what God sees and what he created. He says, look up, who created these stars? Realize that by his power, it was him who created it. He also named each one of them. You know, you can, uh, you can waste your money and, and uh, buy a star these days and give it a name, you know, name it after your great-grandmother or whatever. Um, God named that one before you did. He named each one of them, it is said. And he arranged each one of them in, in his stellar uh, uh, system. It says, he calls them each by name. Because of his great power and his mighty strength, not one of them is missing. He brings out the starry hosts one by one uh, like an army. So he not only created them, he not only named them, he arranged them. And uh, this system of his, though we can't see it all, not one is missing. So when things around you appear to be out of control, Isaiah says, stop looking around and start looking up. When you face difficult surroundings and circumstances, focus on, on the greatness of God. You know, we, we don't spend enough time looking up these days. In fact, now, maybe more than any generation, we look down a lot. We uh, walk down the streets. Or when we're in a restaurant. My wife and I, Joy and I, were traveling back from Colorado a couple years ago. Uh, stopped overnight in uh, Kansas. I think it was Salina, Kansas. Been traveling all day. And uh, been out of cell range a lot of the time. And uh, went to a restaurant for a good meal. And so uh, we took the opportunity. There was Wi-Fi there. And we took the opportunity to check our phones. So we're both sitting in the booth checking our phones. And the waitress came. And she said, if you two do not put down your phones, I will not wait on you. And she was serious. She said, I'll be back. Put those phones away. We tried to explain to her we haven't had them out all day. But we, we don't look up enough. Uh, we, we, we look down too much, too much Twittering, too much Facebooking, too much texting, too much emailing, too much shuttling the kids from one event to another. We don't have time to look up to God, to, to uh, see all that he has created. Uh, if you look at the world, Corey Ten Boom has written, you will be distressed. If you look within... You'll be depressed. And if you look at God, you'll be at rest. Look around. It can be distressing. Look inside. It can be depressing. Look at God. And you can find rest. So Isaiah points to the stars and he asks, who created all of these? And the answer, of course, is he did. And he, and he says that God not only created him, he created them, he summons them 
Every night, like a well-organized army, he brings them out one by one at his command. Do you ever stop and think if God decided not to command that, what would happen? And he calls them by name. Dr. Warren Wiersbe, who I think I referred to last time I was here, and he had passed away in May. By the way, his dear wife Betty passed away about six weeks later in, in June. But he said this, if you look at God through your circumstances, he will seem small and very, very far away. Kind of like looking through binoculars or a telescope the the wrong way. He will seem very far away. But if you, by faith, look at your circumstances through God, he will draw very near and reveal his greatness to you. Then verse 27, after Isaiah says, look up realize who God is, he gives them a strong rebuke. He says, after you've done that, after you've seen the stars that he's created, and after I've told you that he named them and he arranged them, and uh, that uh, he uh, um, created them, a very strong rebuke comes in verse 27. He says, so why do you say, or how can you say, the Lord doesn't see your troubles? After you look up, how can you say, O Jacob, and how can you complain, O Israel? By the way, Israel, they, they established a um, complaint. down. They had it down to a fine art. Sometimes just go through um, the, the uh, Exodus accounts and read, when you're reading Exodus uh, and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy through, your year, through the year Bible reading and you're kind of plotting through those. Just uh, if you have a Bible that you don't mind marking in, uh, start circling, complaining, grumbling, wailing, and uh, you'll see they had this thing down pat. So he says, why are you complaining, O Israel, that my way is hidden from the Lord and my cause is disregarded by my God? Why do you think that, that God has forgotten you or that he is not concerned about your circumstances? Or, or that he's written you off or that he's powerless to do anything about it if you look up and realize who he is? Some of us jump to the wrong conclusions when we're facing difficult circumstances. And we jump to the wrong conclusion that that God is too great to care about us. He's just too great for little old me. Or that we are too small for him to care about us. Either he's too great to care about us or we are too small for him to care about us. The, The correct conclusion is that God is too great not to care about us. He is too great to fail. God's got this. Um, a year ago, in April, and then again in, in June, our son Brad um, went through two surgeries for cancer. Uh, one was melanoma, a very deep melanoma. Uh, Brad was 38, I guess, at the time, 39. And then in June, he went through uh, colon surgery to remove uh, part of his colon for colon cancer. Um, both of those were discovered with uh, routine body scans, you know, just to see if there's any cancer, Uh, routine colonoscopy, because his mother's a two-time colon uh, cancer survivor, and so our kids have gone through those at a young age, and and in both of those, routine, uh, they found what wasn't routine. And uh, Brad was his uh, children's pastor at, at our church, and uh, so he's uh, been known to say to his, his little flock, and, and he's been known to say from the pulpit as he would be preaching, um, when we come to circumstances, God's got this, and he cares. 
So when he went through that, that circumstance last year, and by the way, he's doing well, praise God. Um, when he went through that, a lady in the church decided to make T-shirts for a whole bunch of people. And uh, so they would come to church and, and uh, weeks before the surgery and in between the surgeries and things, and they were wearing this T-shirt that said that God's got this and he cares. So why would you say this great God who has created the universe doesn't care about us? Of course he cares. Lift your eyes. Lift your eyes to that God. Well, another piece of advice is, in fact, I'm going to give you a double uh, here because both of them are found in verse 28. The other two are, you, you lift your eyes, but you also use your head. He says, do you not know? Do you not understand? And the, and the third one is, open your ears. Have you not heard? Use your head and open your ears. So, so what do you need to know and, and what do you need to hear? Why do you need to use your head and why do you need to open your ears? He gives the answer in verse 28. He's the everlasting God. This is what you need to know. He is the creator of all the earth. This is what you need to know. He doesn't grow tired or weary. That's what you need to know and hear. The, the ancient world thought that the gods were were uh, just uh, weak gods. They had the same human we- same weaknesses as we humans did, and and they uh, often thought uh, that the gods were inattentive and simply clueless about events that went on in people's lives that were taking place. And they were viewed as gods who would get tired and who were in constant need of food and drink and shelter. And so they'd bring them sacrifices of food and drink, uh, which were never consumed because gods were just pieces of wood and stone. And, and Isaiah says, that's not your God. He doesn't grow tired. He doesn't grow weary. His understanding is beyond comprehension. We need to be reminded that our God is not limited in any way. Nothing is impossible with God. There's no point where things get on top of him. No matter what it may seem like in our world today or in your world, in your own personal worlds, nothing gets on top of him. Because he's everlasting. He never grows tired and he, he never grows weary. There isn't one moment when he has to quit for lack of strength. We had some guys doing some concrete work at our, our house yesterday. And uh, one guy was using a, a jackhammer most of the day. But he had to quit every now and then. He, he quit using the jackhammer. And then he walked around like this. You know, just to kind of, he was tired, he was weary, his body needed a rest. God is everlasting. He doesn't need to do that, no matter how difficult you may think the circumstance is. He doesn't say, your circumstance is so difficult, I have to go on break here for a little bit and and gather some more strength to get you through it. There's never one moment when he has to quit for lack of strength or take a break from being Almighty God. He gives strength to the weary, verse 29 says. He increases the power of the weak because he knows that we do grow weary. We do grow tired. He knows that we do lack strength. And he possesses the power and he possesses the strength that is perfected in our weakness. 
and our weariness. And he possesses the necessary depth and unending wisdom to do this. So lift your eyes. Use your head to know what you need to know. And, and open your ears to hear that he is the everlasting God who will never tire, nor will he grow weary. So what will motivate the people of God to actually trust him and, and keep going when they feel like quitting, even when they're looking up and thinking and hearing? What's going to motivate them to actually trust him? Well, the answer is in verse 29. He gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. He promises new strength for those who are exhausted and suffering under oppression. Uh, Their weakness will will be renewed by his omnipotent power. And their confusion will be cleared up and replaced by his omniscient understanding. But getting back to our humanity, he says, I know you are tired and weary. You get tired and weary. He says, even young people get tired and weary. Sometimes we wondered that when we had toddlers, if they ever got tired and if they ever got wearied because we woke up real tired and weary before they even got up in the morning. But even, even youths, it says here, grow tired and weary. They run out of steam and they stumble. Uh, it, it isn't unusual to see even the uh, fittest stumble in exhaustion during a long race such as a marathon. Well, Isaiah knew that the road back to the land of promise, when the Israelites were in exile and they were then told to go back to their land of promise, he knew that that was going to be a marathon because that trip was going to be 700 miles long. That was a long haul. He knew that they'd have to look up on that journey and realize who God was. He knew that they would have to have their minds keen and, and, and think about the things they know, not what they were feeling and not what maybe others were telling them. And he knew that they were going to have to keep their ears open for God to say, I can give you this. I've got this. I care about you. But even youths, youths run out of steam. Young men stumble and fall in exhaustion. In 2017... Someone got the bright idea of, of uh, starting a, a competition in Alaska called the Alaska Man Extreme Triathlon. That triathlon consisted of this. The total of the triathlon, swimming, biking, running. The total distance of that triathlon was 143.1 miles. And it gained altitude, elevation during that that triathlon of 11,335 feet. They started out with a 2.6 mile swim in 50 to 55 degree water. By the way, there was someone from Hawaii that entered that. Now, why? I have no idea. They've never seen or felt 50 to 55 degree water After the 2.6-mile swim, it was a 113-mile bike ride, which gained an altitude of 4,600 feet, 113 miles after swimming 2.6 miles. And then after that 113-mile bike ride, there was a 27.5-mile marathon. But get this, that marathon ran up the side of a mountain for a total of another 6,700 feet in elevation. 
228 people registered for the not 2000 that well 2017 was the first in 2018 228 people registered the reason i know that is because some of our very good friend's son was in that race he registered for something like that you wonder about him 129 finished 23 did not finish. 23 grew tired. Perhaps they stumbled. They injured themselves. They succumbed to exhaustion. Now, if you do the math, I was an English major, not a math major like I told you before. If you do the math, 129 plus 23 does not equal 228. It equals 152. So what happened to the other 76? Well, 76 didn't even start the race. They decided, too much. We're not even going to begin. If you ask me, the 76 who didn't want to start were the smartest people in the whole bunch. And by the way, 40-year-old Ben, that's how old he was, our our friend's son, 40-year-old Ben was one of the 129 finishers. He came in 89th. He started with the group at 4.45 a.m. in the morning. That's when the swim started. And he ended that 27-and-a-half-mile run at 10.18 p.m. That triathlon took him 17 hours and 33 minutes. Postscript, 41-year-old Ben this year didn't participate. (laughs) So what's the point? These were... These were trained and, and, and groomed athletes who would, he, who would even think about doing something like this and who would actually do something like that and who would actually be able to finish that 17 hours and 33 minutes. But Ben decided, it's too exhausting, I can't do it again. Even youths, even the best, stumble and fall. But there's more here. But, verse 31 says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Those who hope and trust in the Lord will be able to exchange their exhaustion, change their weakness for God's strength and endurance for the journey. There is hope for the weary, and there is strength for the weak, even for those who feel like quitting. Now, the last verse is probably the most well-known verse. Uh, of the whole text for many of you. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Soar and run and walk. You know, sometimes God enables us to soar. Uh, when we trust in God and we put our hope in Him and His promises, there are times in our lives when He helps us to soar above our circumstances and our problems of life. And it seems like the higher you soar, the smaller things begin to look. When you take an airplane trip, the higher you get, the smaller things on earth begin to look. Uh, it doesn't mean that, that your problems go away, but, but in some way God just helps you to soar above them and to look at them from a different perspective. As, as you gain altitude above those things, you, you start to change attitude about them. Eagles can soar to altitudes of 10,000 feet or more, staying aloft for hours uh, using the natural wind currents and thermal updrafts. You will soar on wings like eagles. But even eagles can't soar forever, and neither can we. 
eventually we have to come back to the realities of life. So God says, sometimes you soar, but sometimes you'll run. There are times when we can't soar and we, all we can do is just run. Keep on running. It might be that the crises or the circumstances of life uh, that you are having, uh, you have no choice. You just have to keep going. And you run. And you run. But the last one is where most of us live. You will walk. Walk. And not be faint. Most of the time, God just enables us to walk. Face it, there are times we can no longer soar. There are no times we can no longer keep running. We just walk. And perhaps the thing we need God to help us the most with is faithfully walking in the daily demands of the long haul. Just keep walking. Uh, I don't know about you, but I spend more time walking than flying or running. Uh, I haven't soared or run yet today. Um, But I've walked. I drove quite a bit too. But I've walked. See, when we trust the Lord, he gives us strength to walk through the dailiness of life. Uh, There's not as much excitement about walking as there is in soaring. And there's not as much excitement about your daily routine than there is in soaring or running. But we walk. Not all of us are eagles. Not all of us are marathoners. Most of us are plotters. We walk. Plotters are people who may not be able to fly high or run fast, but they can walk longer and farther. You know Aesop's fable about the tortoise and the hare. Uh, uh, By the way, kids in here, that's the tortoise and the rabbit. Okay? You probably don't know what a hare is. I don't know much about hair either. So it's a tortoise and a rabbit. You probably know that story. Uh, The story concerns a rabbit who ridicules a slow-moving turtle. So tired of the rabbit's boastful behavior, the turtle challenges the uh, rabbit to a race. Well, the rabbit soon leaves the turtle behind, and getting overly confident uh, of winning, he takes a nap midway through the race. And when the rabbit wakes up, however, he finds that his competitor, crawling slowly but steadily, has arrived at the destination before he did. Again, our friend Dr. Warren Wiersbe said, Blessed are the plotters, for they shall arrive at their destination. Blessed are the plotters, the walkers, for they shall arrive at their destination. Most heroes of the faith were not eagles. Most heroes of the faith were not runners. Most of them were plotters. Yes, sometimes God enables us to soar higher in in a crisis. Other times he enables us to run faster. But most of the time he enables us to walk longer. He knows how we feel. He knows what we fear. He knows how hot he can set the thermostat of trials in our lives, and he knows how long he can set the timer for those, how long we can endure. And he is capable beyond our imaginations to exchange our doubts for trust and hope. However, a lot of us, including me, sometimes insist in trusting in our own strength. Instead of saying, God's got this, and he cares, I say, I've got this. I've got this. I won't bother God about it. 
Well, Martin Luther in the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, had the answer for those of us that want to uh, uh, trust in our own strength. Because part of that song says, did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. We're eventually going to run out. No matter how strong we are, no matter how, how much of an extreme triathlete we might be, we're eventually going to run out of strength. God says, put your hope and trust in me. So if you're running out of strength today for the journey, if you're running on empty, if the long haul seems too long and the heavy load seems too heavy to haul, lift your eyes. Realize who God is. Use your head to understand that nothing is impossible with God. And open your ears to hear his promise that he gives gives strength to the, the weary and power to the weak. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words from Isaiah that were written thousands of years ago and yet are so pertinent for this morning, for us. We run the race sometimes, uh, maybe we even soar a bit, but uh, most of us find ourselves walking through life, not walking through life because uh, we're just... Um, making our way, but that's, that's what we do. We, we go through life one step at a time. Help us not to put our hope and confidence in others or in ourselves, but we might put our hope and confidence in you. Thank you that you are able to do more than we can ever ask or imagine. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.